In the Pasuk Reishis Arisaseichem Chala Truma, in the Pasuk that talks about the mitzvah of Chala, it says the beginning, the first of your dough, you shall separate Chala. Ketrumas Goyren, the Pasuk continues, it should be similar to the Truma of your silo of the grain that you give of your grain came to Rima so shall you give separate this challah as well. So Rashi explains is Rashi Mefarish, what does the Torah mean, Kitrumas Gaidan, similar to the Truma of the grain? And he says, Kitrumas Gaidan shall Bashir, just like by the grain, the Truma that you have to to give from grain, it doesn't say an amount, it doesn't give an amount, a fixed amount. Which, and that's different so this is how challah should be treated without an amount you don't, there is no minimum amount and to, and to distinguish not like the truma that has to be given as miser in other words when the levim get their miser they have to give 10% of that that's also called, called truma trumas miser but that has a fixed amount it has to be a 10, 10% of what they received Shenema Bashir, regarding in regards to which it does say an amount, so there is no amount for challah. But the sages did put an amount on it. For a householder, a person at home, one in twenty-four, which means about four percent, just about four percent. For a baker. Who is a commercial industry? Echad above one in forty-eight, meaning just about two percent. Davin verstehen, so we have to understand about this Rashi. Number one, Rashi is dochmait is the dochmait the In this case, Rashi is quoting from a medrash and from uh, what our sages tell us in regards to halacha about how much should be given and so on. Nor when does his negeia in umuchrechem pshudus lamikra. Rashi typically quotes this kind of stuff, meaning halacha medrashim, only when it affects the pshudus lamikra, when it's necessary to understand the simple meaning of the pasuk. The Rashi alein zogdam klal. Rashi himself states this rule. Vanila basi elul pshudus lamikra. I have come only, and he emphasizes only here, the Rebbe, to, to explain the simple meaning of the pasuk. We can understand why Rashi here says that over here there is no amount given, as opposed to by Turmas Meiser where it is, an, an amount is given. Is moving that we can understand why Rashi needs to quote it. Well, the mit is a mevar, but pashtas because the, by this he explains on the simple level the simple meaning of the pasuk, but the Torah meant. He's trying to explain what the Torah is saying, that it should be similar to the truma of the of the grain. So therefore he explains in what way is it similar to the grain. And that it should not be like another type of truma, namely trumas meiser. So that we understand why he has to say that. But what what's the relevance to explain the simple meaning of the pasuk? The vaited the What he continues after that, that the chachamim did place an amount on it. Why does he have to explain that here? 
another thing. A filovemazol on them and as bringing as a nisht gizogi givarin can shear of chala. Even if we should accept that what he's trying to say here is, I just stated that there is no amount for chala, so you have to understand that that is only as far as the pasuk, in other words, midayraisa. But that the chachamim uh, did put an amount. He has to explain that in the end the Chachamim did put an amount on it so don't make the mistake of thinking that in the end there is no amount for Chala. There is an amount but it was placed there by the Rabbonim. Even if we accept this we still have to understand why does he have to go on to give the actual amount that the Chachamim placed on Chala? which is, seems completely irrelevant to understanding what the Pasuk is trying to say. It's not even what the Pasuk is saying, it's something that the Chachamim did. When Rashi is the Chnishka Sefer from Halacha, and since Rashi is not a Sefer which records Halacha, only comes to explain the simple meaning of the Pasuk, and saying how much the Chala is, how much the Chachamim placed the amount that they placed on Chala, that is something which is relevant in Halacha, but not to understanding what the Pasuk is saying. Number three, another question, and even if you want to force the Pshat, that for some reason Rashi wants us to understand what, exact, what is the amount that Chala has to be given. It would be enough if he were to give one of them for an ordinary person, for a regular person, which is the vast majority of the people anyway. It's one in twenty-four. Because that's the amount that is relevant to the vast majority of people. And the Targum Yonason actually does say that even though the Targum Yonason is not as committed to Pshutash Lomikra only as Rashi. The Targum Yonason often includes halachic matters and other matters as well. Still, he only says he only says the one amount of 1 in 24 he doesn't go on to say what the baker has to pay or, or give as challah then why does Rashi find it necessary to also tell us what the amount that a baker has to give a fourth question even more, the question becomes even greater. Rashi continuing in this direction seems to be contradicting what he's saying at the beginning of his explanation. At the beginning, he explains that when the Torah says similar to the truma of the wheat of the grain, the Torah is trying to say as chalizvi. Is vitrumas goyin that chala is similar to the to the truma of the grain shaloi neva bashir that for which no amount was given v'loi ketrumas meiser as distinct from trumas meiser in other words it should not be treated like truma of meiser which is ten percent shenema bashir about which there was an amount given 
does say so by saying that he's saying Nish nor give the Torah Nish can share by Chala. Not only does the Torah not give an amount for Chala, though the pasuk zotam b'mefurish, but the pasuk even makes a, a point of pointing out ketrumas goyim kain tarimu oisa that just like the grain of the of the uh, sorry the truma of the grain, so also should you give the truma of Chala. Amazol does upshade nishmit kanshir that it should be set aside without a specific amount. Hein vishtim demid b'pshudas l'mikdash oisfir in Rashi al chacham nasushirum and so how does it how does that fit with Rashi going on to say that in the end there is a shir the Torah says it should be given similar to the to the truma of the grain without an amount then he ends up saying but there is an amount so that contradicts what the Torah itself says, it should be given without an amount, or without a prescribed amount. Umezena, as a continuation to this question, number five, even if for some reason Rashi does find it uh, necessary, for a reason we don't understand yet, but he wants to tell us that the Chachamim did place an amount on it, and he even wants to explain the details of the amount that the Chachamim placed on it. It would seem that that would be more fitting that Rashi should record that, tell us that, in his explanation of the next Pasuk. Titnu Lashem Truma, where it says in this next Pasuk, it says, you shall give it to Hashem as a truma. Thus Rashi Zok, where Rashi over there explains, because the Torah hasn't given an amount for Chala, for how much has to be given, Nemar Titnu, therefore he adds the word Titnu, that it, when you give it, it should be something worthwhile, something that could be considered a gift. You gave something. If you give a guy a crumb, you didn't give him anything, so although you may have separated some challah, but it, it's not something that you can actually give to someone. In other words, that it has to be an amount which could be considered have given something to someone. It's something of value to someone. So when that Rashi was dard the Mamshach over there, it would make sense that Rashi should now tell us as Chachamim Nasnushir, that the Chachamim actually placed an amount on that. What is called giving something of value? Labalabayis, so much for a, a householder, one and twenty-four for the baker, one and forty-eight. So that seems the place where Rashi should have said these amounts, if for some reason he does want to give the amount. as in Sifri. And as we find that in Sifri, the Sifri tells us this on this Pasuk of Titnu Lashem Truma, not on the, the previous Pasuk. The Sifri says that there should be something that should be considered a gift to the Kayin, the Kanata Aimer. From here we learn, the amount of Chala for a householder should be. Uh, and the Sifri explains how much it should be given. So the Sifri does say it in this second Pasuk. Why is it that Rashi says it on the previous Pasuk? Number six, that we need to understand, we can ask, to, in, to the contrary, we can ask, 
since Rashi does in fact tell us the amounts that the Chachamim set and he gives us the details that for the householder 1 in 24 for the baker 1 in 48 why doesn't he give us the reason why it's different for the householder and for the baker the Sifri does give the reason for it. Rashi leaves out the reason for it. Shemizem mashma. So from the fact that Rashi doesn't explain why there is a difference, it seems as Nogdem Rashi is mafara dishiurim that once Rashi gives you the amounts that each one has to give, pashtet mishnalein dem tam itself understood what the reason is that there is a difference. But he, but what is the difference? So those are all the questions. Base the beer bezeba pashtas to explain this. From them was the pasuk zotas kitrumas goyim kain terima oisa. From the fact that the Torah says that just like the truma of the grain, that's how you should also separate challah. But thus main virashi taichdab that which means as Rashi explains shalenema bashir that it, the Torah does not give a fixed amount of how much has to be given. Is mashma as oichamashu is genug. So from this it would seem that even if you give the slightest amount, it would you would fulfill the mitzvah of challah. So then the question comes up. In Pshata in Pshata Kosov, and the question is a question in the very understanding of the Pasik. The Pasik doesn't seem to flow then. Because the Hemshra Kosov, what is the, the Pasik continues to say, the first of your dough, a chala you should give as a truma, as a donation. Is Rashi Mefarish. So Rashi explains on the word chala. You shall separate one one loaf should be taken in uh, uh, given for Hashem, separated for Hashem, which is eventually given to the Kayan. When Rashi Fatajd, Rashi explains on this word chala, turtle balazi gives you the French uh, word for a small loaf. Tart, as some may know, you know, we refer to a cake as a tart. It means a loaf in French. Tortil means a small loaf. Which means a loaf. So the word chala does signify that it means it means a loaf. There has to be a loaf. So the question comes, so we have to ask the question. How could you say that giving chala is similar to the truma of the grain, which has no amount at all? When the Pasuk then goes on to say that it should be a loaf. And a loaf does have an amount. In other words, you can't give a crumb, you have to give a loaf. The river is Rashi Maisif, so therefore Rashi adds in Zempirush Mavoran. So he adds right into his explanation and he, he tries to, to cover this question. Even though no sheer, what no amount was given, since the Torah does refer to it as a loaf, is chachamim That's why the chachamim, in explaining the word chala, what is meant by a loaf, so they attached an amount to the word loaf. Thus haste, in other words, Even though chala means a loaf, just a loaf. 
weist aber der Shem Chala auf ein gewisses Schivas. So a loaf, you know, could be a tiny loaf or a big loaf, and but we don't know what loaf, you know, how big the loaf should be. But by the very definition of loaf, it means that it has some, you know, something to be called a loaf. So the uh, the part, the portion that you have to give to the kohen as chala has to be of some substance that should be able to be referred to as a loaf. And therefore, you can't just hand over some crumbs. And that's why the Chachamim did decide to place an amount on that loaf. It has to be a loaf. So the Chachamim defined the term loaf for us. And they said 1 in 24 for a regular person, 1 in 48 for a baker. So in other words, Rashi is trying to explain while I said that there is no shear for challah, but then the Torah refers to it as challah, as a loaf. So what does that mean? So he says, yes, the Chachamim defined the term loaf, and that's what it means. Gimel. But if Rashi were just to say, well, the Chachamim did put an amount on it, and then he wouldn't explain what the amount is, it wouldn't be enough. Since the word chala, which means a loaf, doesn't define any specific amount, because there are loaves of many different sizes. So therefore one could think, as the uftuf in the chacham bashteit in gebem, ashir kavua in dem grace from der chala kishola Therefore, one might have thought we could entertain the notion that the Chachamim, in defining the word challah, they would say, well, the minimum size of a challah is six ounces or whatever, some amount. And we find that there is such a thing. For instance, Azavius is minatayra by challah for Like the Torah does give an amount, a fixed amount for every loaf that has to be brought along with a carbon, and the Torah gives you an amount, a sodrain is an amount that the Torah gives for so, I would think that over here when the Torah uh, says the Torah has an amount in mind for what a loaf is and that's what has to be given, every time you bake and you separate challah you have to give a loaf of a fixed amount let's call it 6 ounces for just for the sake of an example therefore the Riba Bavar Rashi that's why Rashi has to come ex- explain immediately that that is not what is meant here by the word Chala that it has to be a fixed amount but rather as Da is as Nishtazay over here it's not like by the Karbonus where the Torah gives a fixed amount for the loaf the Chachamim that the Chachamim gave made the amount of that loaf in relation to the size of the dough that you are baking. So therefore, it's one, uh, what do we say, 4% approximately of the amount of challah that you are baking, of the amount of dough that you are baking. Not that it should be 6 ounces, it should be in relation to how much you're baking, that's how much you have to give, uh, one twenty-fourth of that. Uh, or for the baker 1 in 48 just to explain that it's not a fixed amount but rather a 
in relation to how much you are, a percentage of what you are baking. Since the amount that the Chachamim placed on the Chala is not just they picked an amount or, so, or something like that, nor as Hatav Shaychus and Kumbis Taifus to them was the Pasuk Ruf to Son Chala, but it comes from the fact that the Torah refers to it as by the term Chala a loaf. That's why the Chachamim decided that it has to have a certain. Uh, there has to be a certain amount which qualifies as a loaf and that's why they put the amount on it that explains why Rashi did not have to give a reason why there is a difference in the amount between a householder from Balabayas and Nachtim or a baker because that will be self-understood how? the Chalas of Balabayas <clears throat> a challah which a householder, somebody at home is baking, that's not a, he's not a that person is not a professional baker are generally larger challahs and are there for the, for the family, for the person baking it for the family to enjoy because he bakes a larger challah, as opposed to, he'll soon explain, that a baker has all kinds of sizes according to what anybody might need. But at, at home, you bake according to your family, which means that it's a large, going to be a larger challah, whatever you need for your family. Therefore, since the challah is larger, therefore the amount, the relationship is also a larger amount. The percentage will also be a, ma- a larger amount. Whereas a baker which is baking for all kinds of different people who have different needs, it's for poor people and for rich people. Rich people are buying large things even though they might not need it that big. Poor people buy exactly what they need. And therefore there are also smaller challahs that are baked. And what belongs, in other words, what ends up belonging to the baker is only the profit that he can make after he paid for the wood and after he paid for the flour and all of his expenses, whatever he paid for the flour, that's not his. That only is what he invested into this. The money that he makes that belongs to him, in other words, the part of the chal that belongs to him, is only the profit that he's able to realize, which means only after his expenses, which means it's a much smaller profit. Rather, it's a much smaller share in the chal that he's baking really belongs to him. Whereas when you bake at home, whatever you bought, whatever you baked, is all for you. It's all for the family to eat. The baker only gets to keep a small percentage of the challah that he baked after the expenses. The far is and that's why the percentage of the entire size of the challah that he baked only has to be one in forty-eight, only two percent, because his share in the challah is only a much smaller part of the challah that he baked. That's why it makes sense that he should have to pay. He has to. He should have to 
give the Kayin less. To summarize this point, there are two points that the Rebbe is making here. One is that the, the chalas that a householder bakes are larger to begin with, and the whole challah is for their own personal consumption. Everything, they are getting to benefit from the entire challah that they baked. The baker bakes also smaller challahs, and his share, his benefit from the challah is only a small portion of it, that which is left after the expenses. Therefore, he should have to give a smaller amount to the kayin. And that's why it's only 2% as opposed to the householders, which is 4%. When Alpiza is moving of a pashta, so based on this explanation, we can also understand simply does Rashi bring Beidashurim, why Rashi feels that he should share both amounts, the bakers and the householders. The reason why the Chachamim, now according to the way Rashi understands it, the reason that the Chachamim put an amount on it is because the Torah defines it as Chala as a loaf. A loaf means something of, uh, of substance. So they had to give an amount for that substance. How much is it? So it all comes from the word Chala. The reason that the Torah calls it Chala, therefore we need to know they gave an amount. Rashi explains that amount. Azoi is oich the word chala in the same way the word chala is the siba v'tam is the very reason of tzemachalos and tzishin the shiurim in the shiurim funa nachtaman of alabayis the the word chala which defines the relationship between the person baking and that chala is the reason why there is a difference between the the householder and the baker as we just explained since there is a difference in the way they r- relate to the challah that they're baking the two things, larger, smaller or what his portion is in that challah more or less, the whole thing or only a part of it so therefore Rashi tells us the both amounts as well that both amounts come from the word challah another reason why Rashi brings both Amounts. The Baal Rashi at Friyagizak, since Rashi already told us, that the amount, how big does the dough have to be for it to be chayev, that you should be obligated to give challah from it, is the size of an oimer. The shiurim em gimel beitzim, and the amount of that is 43 eggs, and, and uh, 43 and a fifth egg. If Rashi would have simply told us that a householder has to give one in twenty-four, we would think as is a That would have led us to believe that the chachamim hold that an important amount, an amount of substance, is even more than the size of an egg, because. The size of the dough that you're giving is 43 eggs. The amount that you have to give is one twenty-fourth of that, which means more than an egg. In fact, almost two eggs. Divide 43 by 24, so that's close to two. Vas the stiritsu kamadinim, which would go directly contradict a number of halachas, which we already learned earlier, where the amount what, that the Chachamim considered to be, and the Torah itself considered to be, 
of importance is just the size of an egg. We see that the size of an egg, an egg is already an important amount. So therefore, if we consider the amount of challah that you have to give, one twenty-fourth of 43 eggs, it would seem that now there's this new shear of what's called important challah. An important challah is only close to two eggs. That contradicts where we, uh, that what we find in so many other places, that one egg is already considered a substantive amount. Therefore, the Rebbe is Rashi Moisiv, that's why Rashi adds, L'nachtem echad memem that for a baker it's 1 in 48, which is already, as is Kenzayna Philippachos from the Gabeza, that's slightly less than the size of an egg. So therefore, we already go back to, yes, there is such a thing as an important amount, a substantial amount, is already even less than an egg can be considered a substantial amount, as we see that the baker can give 1 in 48 of 43 eggs. Dalit. So that concludes the explanation of the Rashi. From the Inyanim of Floyim, from the Empirish Rashi, some extraordinary things which are besides the Pshutashal Mikra, we find some interesting, extraordinary things as they pertain to Allah. As is Dahashagavatariya in the Pirish Rashi, there's a discussion about the apparent contradiction in the two Rashis. Was in them in this pasuk Rashi says He states there is no amount given. The Torah doesn't give a minimum amount. Whereas the Chachamim did give an amount, and he gives the amounts. Which leads us to believe that the Torah gives us no amount, doesn't give a minimum amount. It's only the Chachamim that gave an amount. On in pasuk titnula, whereas in the next pasuk uh, you shall give titnula Hashem. Sorry, titnula Hashem. Zokter sheyir b'kedeinasina. Rashi says that when it says titnu, you have to give something substantial. As the chalahot yashirim in the In other words, the Torah does require a substantial gift. It's not just any amount that you want. There is a substantial. So that seems to be contradicting himself, the Rashi seems to be contradicting himself, so there's a discussion about this, different people give different answers the Ram, the Leo Mizrahi answer, Faremfet he answers, Adosus Rashi Zogba Titnu Lashem that when Rashi says by the Pasuk Titnu Lashem that it should be an amount that can be called giving is not an asmachta ba'alma it's not a direct halacha that we learn from the Torah, but rather it's what's called a smachta, it's a support for what the Chachamim really said. But the Torah does not place an amount, a minimum amount on the Chala. The Gurari is up, the Gurari answers it differently. That it should be, that it should, there should be a substantial amount that can be called giving, that is only for the mitzvah, like a mitzvah, so to speak. If you want to do the mitzvah in a, an upgraded level, so you give something which can be called a, a decent donation. But certainly without question that if you only gave a tiny amount, it would still be called chala. But it would be the proper way to do it to give something wor- uh, of, subs- of substance. That's how he answers it. 
<coughs> so in other words, it's not a, again, it's not a contradiction. The Torah doesn't give an amount, but there is other reasons why one should do it if you want to do it in the best way possible. The Chachamim gave the amount, but they, they sort of supported it by the word titnu, uh, that it should be something of substance. The Neidebi Yehuda is Mavayr. The Neidebi Yehuda explains it at length. He gives an elaborate explanation. There are two aspects to the mitzvah of Chala. One aspect is that a, a, a lump of dough that you're, ba- that you're kneading is considered tevel, which means untithed. You haven't given the portion that you're supposed to separate from it. That's called tevel. It's untied. So when you give any, when you give chala, when you separate that piece of chala, now you've turned the rest of the dough into no longer being tevel, which is prohibited to eat tevel. You took off a little a piece of chala, you fixed the dough that is no longer considered tevel. That's one aspect of it. Number two, the <coughs> second aspect, the ikir mitzvah which is the main part of the mitzvah, which is that you should give it to a kayin. So there is fixing the dough, which you can now eat because you've separated chala. Then there is taking that chala and giving it to the kayin. The difference between these two aspects of the mitzvah is in order to clear that the rest of the dough, that it should no longer be considered tevel and that there therefore prohibited to eat. The Torah doesn't give any amount of how much you have to separate in order to clear the dough. And even if you give the slightest amount, it now exempts that, dough, that the rest of the dough is now fine to eat. But in order to fulfill the part of the mitzvah, which is that you should give the challah to the kayin, the Torah requires an amount that you should give him something of substance. Either one of 24 or one of 48, depending who, of a size of an isarin, as we said, 43 eggs, you have to give 124th or 148th of an isarin. So the Torah would so here. This, the difference is mashu. There's no amount which is needed in order to clear the rest of the dough that it should be able to be eaten because you've already given challah even the slightest amount. Now the part of the mitzvah which is to give to the kayan, there isn't an amount that has to be given. The Torah requires a substantial substantial amount, which is one twenty-fourth of an isarin or for a baker, one-forty-eighth of an isarin which is approximately two eggs or approximately one egg and it's a an objective amount it's always a, either one egg or two eggs that's the size that you have to give us challah because the Torah gave a, an objective amount came and added to that that it's not enough to give if you're making a hundred pounds of dough it's not enough to give one egg or two eggs to chala the chamim said no you have to give it a percentage of what you are baking the amount that you're baking the minimum of course is you're only chayev chala when you bake 43 eggs at a time 
40 grains worth of dough <coughs> but uh, you could be baking much more so you would have to give much more than that in accordance with how much you happen to be baking a householder has to give one twenty-fourth, four percent of his dough, the one that he's baking, which could be much more. And a baker has to give two percent, one and forty-eight of the size of dough that he is baking. That's how the Noida Yehuda explains the whole matter. And therefore, in the pasuk that you should give it like the uh, truma of grain where it's talking only about the idea of taking away from the dough that you are baking and therefore your dough now becomes edible or permitted to eat in order that the dough should be able to be permitted, be permitted to eat there Rashi correctly says no amount was given for this the Torah doesn't give any amount. There's no minimum amount. But the Chachamim did put an amount on each dough in accordance to its size. On the other hand, when you get to the Pasuk where it says that from the, uh, the, the, the first of your dough you shall give, give it to first he talks about separating from the dough, then he talks about giving it to Hashem where it's talking already about giving it to the Kayin, is Rashi Mefarish there Rashi explains we, we, didn't, we don't know any amount therefore it says, you shall give this should be enough to be called a substantial gift because in order to fulfill the mitzvah of giving it to the Kayin there the Torah does require a certain amount which is one twenty-fourth or one-forty-eighth of an Isarin of forty-eight in other words an objective amount which is always one or two eggs in size hey Das Rashi al al Baranal is Mavur to understand what is Rashi's opinion about this, based on the Pshudosh Mikra, according to this explanation, can be understood. Number one, Rashi sees it a little differently. He says, even separating from the dough, the Torah also sees that there has to be a substantial amount, because the, it says, Tarimu, because the Torah does say immediately even in that discussion of just separating it from the dough it also calls it Chala and as Rashi says Chala turtle that Chala means a loaf and therefore it's not enough that you should give uh, crumbs or some small insignificant amount so Rashi seems to the Pshudosh Mikra at least the Neid of Yehuda could be talking about the halachic matter, but the Rashi is talking from the perspective of Pshudosh Mikra, it says Chala, Chala means a loaf, a loaf means something substantial, so even in the part of separating from the dough, there also has to be something called Chala, a loaf. Point two, Das was Chachamim and the, that the Chachamim gave a shir is not connected to the idea of giving it to the Kayin it has to do with 
the separating from the dough because that's where the Torah talks about it and that's where the Torah calls it challah and the Chachamim are describing are defining the term challah that's what they said according to Rashi means 124th of uh, you know 124th or 148th and therefore Rashi sees the whole thing as defining how much you have to separate from the dough not how much you have to give to the Kayin the Tambazayashlimabapashtas. And the reason that Rashi sees it this way can be explained simply. Al peep Shudashlamikra is mash because uh, based on Shudashlamikra it seems as Nish Nor Diverta Turimutruma Lashem, it's not only the words that you have to separate <coughs> for Hashem Achala, nor Oyh Diverta from Sweden Pasik Titnu Lashem Truma, but also the second Pasik, you shall give it Redenvingdam Etzimitsum of Rosh's Truma Lashem according to Rashi the simple understanding of the Pesukim are all, this Parsha when it talks about Chala it talks about the separation of the Chala both Pesukim are talking about separating the Chala from your dough and it's not describing the giving it to the Kayin the the mitzvah to give it to the Kayin is not even mentioned here. That's talked about in Parsha Kairach. That's where we are introduced to the idea that this is one of the gifts that are given to the Kayin. Over here it simply talks about separating Chala from your dough. in dem is But since in this Pasuk too, in the second Pasuk also, it mentions, it calls it Truma. Titnu Lashem Truma, so defines it as Truma. Undos was the pasuk zokt ibn nacham al velashen titnus. And then why does the Torah? The question is why does the Torah then instead of Tarimu, why does it why does it say Titnu? So that explains Hagam says from Zalbim Teichan be Tarimu, even though it's talking about Truma. So in the earlier he called it Tarimu, now he calls it Titnu. So why does he call it Titnu? Is this not Lafisha The reason is because the Torah hasn't given an amount yet, so therefore the Torah now defines that it has to be Titnu, something substantial that can be called giving. The Rashi is Mefarish, if Rashi in fact explains it. So in other words, in Rashi's view, as distinct from the way the Naidab Yehuda sees it, the whole thing in this parsha is talking about the separation of the challah. And over there too, the Torah first begins by not giving an amount. But because the Torah calls it challah, therefore it needs to be defined, and therefore the Chachamim gave a definition to the word challah, which is that it's 1 in 24. And another po- and the point that he's making is, these two psukim are talking about tarimu, means about separating from the dough. Why then? And, and to give it to the kain is going to be talked about later in Parsha Kairach. Why does he include the word titnu over here, which already seems to be saying, well, giving it away, that's already talking about giving to the kain. The word titnu, giving it over here, is only in order to tell us that there is, there has to be a substantial gift. But it's still talking about it has to, the amount that you separate has to be an amount that will be able to be given but that, not that it's talking about giving it to the Kayin yet here we're just talking about how much has to be separated from the dough to understand the Rashi from the 
inner perspective. A state the Medrash. The Medrash tells us why was the Parsha of Chala placed next to the Parsha of Avedizara where the next Parsha talks about if somebody were to worship Avedizara, the carbon that he has to bring. Why are the two juxtaposed next to each other? That anyone who fulfills the mitzvah of it's as if he neutralized somebody who doesn't give the doesn't do the mitzvah of It's as if he substantiated avaydazara. So we have to understand about this. Number one, What's the connection between the mitzvah of Chalah which is connected to a very simple act which you do with a piece of dough you have a dough, you give a little piece that doesn't seem to be the, uh, you know, the end of the world kind of a mitzvah as opposed to Avayda Zorah and what does it have to do what does that mitzvah which is a simple act have to do with Neutralizing Avaydazara. is something which is the foundation of the foundational mitzvah of the Torah. Another thing we have to understand Why does the Torah, why does the, the Chachamim phrase it in this way? If you fulfill the mitzvah of Chala, you neutralize Avaydazara. If you don't do the mitzvah of Chal, it's as if you substantiate Avadizara. Vos from them is mashma from putting it in those words. It seems that we're talking about an Avadizara which already is in existence. And you have the ability either to neutralize it or to substantiate it. If you fulfill the mitzvah of Chala, then you will neutralize it. Then you substantiate it. But it's, it's already there before you begin. <coughs> would seem that even if these two, these two mitzvahs are connected to each other somehow, the Lushen it would seem more fitting that it should be written this way. Anyone that fulfills the mitzvah of Chala, it's, it's, it's stating his denial of Avedezorah. And when it doesn't do the mitzvah of Chala, it's as if he acknowledges Avedezorah or he uh, worships Avedezorah in the worst case. That's what, so what does it mean? Either he neutralizes it or he substantiates it. Zayin, that's what in them. The explanation is Einef in the Biurim in Emtaychem from Mitzvah Chala. One of the explanations of what is behind this Mitzvah of Chala is the pasuk says Reishes Arisaseichem Chala Terimu Truma Hashem. The beginning of your, the first of your dough, you shall separate a gift to Hashem. So that means Hayayis Adbechtei the Men Zol Bakum and Zayin Parnasa when Aleit Starchesin. Because a, a person, in order to be able to earn his living. And all everything that he needs was bechlolus which in a general sense are all included into the concept of dough, which means food. which is the food, which is of course the most important part of parnasa is simply to have food to eat. So isa represents all of your needs. 
In order for a person to be able to earn a living, he has to go through all the processes in order to make, get his dough. You have to pl- uh, plow, and you have to plant, and you have to harvest. Similar to what the Mishnah, the Gemara says, that the, the Mishnah, in describing the halach, the malachas of Shabbos, goes through, he starts with uh, plowing, planting, and so on, he goes through the making of bread. And that's what Parnas is. You have to go through all those processes in order to get to your bread. And all of these things in order to earn a living are similar in the way a Yid pursues his Parnasa, similar to the way a Goy pursues his Parnasa. So one could make the mistake to say and to think that number one, that somehow that part of my life is not connected to Hashem. And that the way I earn a living is by going through the natural process. That's where Parnasa comes from. And a second point, even if you acknowledge, yes, the reason that you're making, that you're able to get Parnasa because you go through the natural process is because Hashem set up that process. Of course, Hashem is the one that set up that process. He set up this process that if you plant and if you plow and you plant, that's how you earn your living. So then even if you acknowledge that, that it's Hashem that implanted this kind of process into nature, but once He set it up, once it's there, but now that it just, you know, it happens because nature determines how it should happen. So therefore, in one's pursuit of Parnasa, one could lose touch with the fact that Hashem is directly in charge of providing your needs. I've dem kundeira in the midst of challah. So the lesson of challah is veishes that is to say challah to rimetruvel Hashem. The very first of your dough, you have to separate a gift to Hashem. Nach eider eginis funem is even before you get to enjoy the bread that you're baking. Aner kenter he has to first acknowledge that does kum tarab maise. Uh, as the reishis <coughs> he acknowledges it and not just in his mind but he actually acts on this acknowledgement that the very first thing that he, that he gets, that he does with the, uh, or the living that he earned the gansa scholof and the isa the very first thing that he does with his dough and it doesn't only pertain to dough it's true of everything that you have in life that the first and the best has to go to Hashem. As Trumal Hashem has to be a gift to Hashem. He has to acknowledge that it's not my work which accomplished this. Nor Hashem that gives me the ability to be able to flourish. It's Hashem's blessing that gives wealth. That's what the meaning of giving the first of the dough to, as a gift to Hashem to acknowledge that it all comes from Hashem Nochmer, and this can go even further the recognition of this goes even further since Hashem renews in His kindness every single moment 
everything, the entire creation is renewed moment to moment. Hashem has to renew the creation of from nothing to something every moment of the day. So it comes out as Nishnor is the bracha, Berz Hashem is Slavish and Teva, and in Zainamaisim, that not only do you acknowledge that Hashem's blessing has to be invested into your activity in the natural means, and only because of that does it, are you blessed, but it goes even further, nor Allah in Yonea Teva, but it now makes you realize that everything in nature, when Allah Zainapolis and everything that you do, all of the uh, activities that you do in order to make a living, in fact, they have no real value. Well, because what you did uh, five minutes ago, the world was created anew at this time. It's only because Hashem recreated it in the way that He wanted, which means it should acknowledge your activities up till now. He could have just as easily renewed the world minus your activities, and therefore there's nothing left for you. But He doesn't. He renews the world and recreates the world acknowledging your activity so it's all dependent on Hashem's recreation every moment that he is he's acknowledging and and supporting and blessing and making important giving importance to the activity that you put that you put into making a panasa so the the very um, existence of all your efforts are renewed every single moment from them was the Eibushdeism only because Hashem just re- recreates it in that way. So we recognize that it, the point of it is that we recognize that it's only Hashem's blessing that makes our efforts of any value at all. Never mind blessed of any value at all. And therefore, the very first you have to give is Chalat Hashem a Gidos you come to realize that you're not it's, you're not giving it as charity you're not giving it you know out of the goodness of your heart you're giving some charity especially that over here he's not even talking about the part where you have to give it to the Kayin rather that you're separating as, as a recognition of Hashem's uh, blessing to you but it give, rather the feeling that comes with giving the chala or separating the chala is it belongs to Hashem so I'm giving him what truly what rightfully belongs to him not that I'm giving charity out of the goodness of my heart it belongs to Hashem and I'm giving it to him now the chet from Avodah What is the sin of Avodah Zarah? Even the way Nigla, even the way the Nigla understands it. Bashtet nish nor in din in Avodah Zarah ma'amish chazal shalom. It's not just. It's not all. Does not uh, limit it to if somebody actually bows down to an idol, chazal shalom. On on him and as chazal shalom atzalakus, and that he attributes some godly. Uh, power to the idol. That's not the only thing that is considered of a desire. But also, if somebody were to put importance on the role of the uh, the stars and the the constellations, astrology, and so on, which also includes if we put any, if we give any a power, we attribute any power to the 
forces of nature if one starts considering that the forces of nature are in control of what's happening that is a, also of a desire that somehow the forces of nature or the stars or the astrology has some control of what's going on even if he thinks even though included into his calculations, into his understanding of the matter is, yes, of course Hashem created the stars and the sun and these power-giving uh, uh, um, entities in the world, including nature. Hashem made it all, but now He invested it with a certain control of what's going on. If that's what a person imagines, that is Abed The emiss is, what is the truth? as is that all of the natural forces and the stars and the constellations and so on are merely like a tool wielded by the person wielding that tool they have no power on their own it's just like if you were to attribute power to the hammer that the carpenter is Nail, uh, putting in a nail and you were to thank the hammer or give any sort of importance to the hammer the hammer is just a tool you have to, you have to turn to the person that wields the tool so also nature is just a tool in the hands of Hashem and the sun and all that and it has no cho- it doesn't have the ability to change the ashpa to change whether it is or it's not going to give blessing and so on they don't have any power at all they are merely the tools through which Hashem bestows His blessing they have no power on their own and even more subtle expression of Avay Dezara would be not only if you accept or think that there is some power outside the power of Hashem. Even if you consider that there is anything that even exists outside of Hashem alone. Because the truth is that nothing else exists other than Hashem. There is no real existence other than Hashem. They merely exist within Hashem expresses Himself through these many ways of existence, but they are all an expression of Hashem's existence. In Velt, <coughs> so this might be true. This is, of course, true. Not might be, but it is true. But if you look at the world around you, none of this is apparent from looking at the world. Velt und when you look at the world and you look at nature they seem to express that they are independent and they do have a certain power it's even more so Nachmeri says it's not when you look at the world it's not even obvious you, it takes a lot of thinking to become aware that there is someone in control of the world and of nature not only that they have no power but that there is even a, that Hashem is running the world even that needs 
contemplation. It's not obvious from looking around. As the that the Hashem is the one that runs the whole world, even that needs the thought. And therefore, when a yid fulfills the mitzvah of Isa. then he recognizes and brings it to our attention by giving challah, by separating challah, he brings to our attention that this dough, the parnosa velacher bakum that this parnosa that he receives through his activities in the dark at heaven through the natural means, he knows that it's really only from Hashem. Is a by this he neutralizes the avodah which exists in the whole world around you. He neutralizes the what the world proclaims loudly, which is that I exist. By, by recognizing that Hashem is behind it, you proclaim that the Avodah Zarah doesn't exist. There is no Avodah Zarah. It's all Hashem. Not only does it not have a Metzius, but it, and it has no, first of all, it has no power and also doesn't even exist at all. In other words, acknowledging that yes, there is an Avodah Zarah which exists. The world proclaims itself to be independent and of importance and when you give challah you say no you neutralize that importance which is easy to attribute to the world if you're not thinking if you're not paying attention Le'idach on the other hand B'Sha'a said as mevatel mitzvah challah when a person doesn't fulfill the mitzvah of challah which means if he doesn't recognize that all of his needs receives it only from Hashem is it's as if he gives, he substantiates Avaidazara. He makes the what seems in the world to be stronger. He gives it strength. Yes, I also acknowledge agree. He gives substantiates that which the natural forces seem to be saying. And they appear to be this independent power. Because he also seems to acknowledge that it's coming from the natural forces. Even more, even if a yid were to inadvertently um, violate, not do the mitzvah of chale. In other words, how forgot to, to separate chale. By this also he gives certain substantiation to the Avedazara. Because when could you forget something? Only when you don't see it, when it's not apparent to you. Something that you're looking at, something that is right in front of your face, of course you can't forget, it's right there. But since this person did forget to give challah, which means, how could you forget to give challah, meaning to say that it's not there front and center to you that everything comes from Hashem? By this, you again substantiate the false narrative of the Avedazara. Plus, is nearer in velvet sadatsmai that which 
seems to be the narrative of the world that it exists independently and because you don't have it in front and center in your mind therefore you could you forgot to give chalas. So even if you did it not deliberately unintentionally it also it's because it's not there in front of your face it's not clear to you that everything is coming from Hashem and based on this now it becomes a little more understood why there is a difference in the amounts that have to be given by the householder and by the baker just like Avedazara is prohibited even in the slightest amount even if there is Avedazara is not bottle even in the slightest amount so that's when talking shir. That's why also the counter the counter of that is just like about the zara is not bottle bamashu. In order to counter it, all you need is a mashu. All you need is a tiny a tiny amount, and already you're neutralizing the avodah zara, which also doesn't have an amount. Mashu bekamas is going to give him just the slightest amount is enough to counter the force of avodah zara. But on the other hand, that how did Avedazara come about? People turned to the sun and the moon and they began to imagine that there was some power to it and then they, it went on to images that they created of the sun and the moon which then went to other kinds of uh, images even if just you know a brick somebody puts up a brick and it bows down to that it's also Avedazara that's how the Rambam explains the development of Avedazara so therefore also by the mitzvah that's why eventually the Chachamim gave it an amount because they gave it an amount because Avedazara also has the um, the way it's presented, the way it's presented, the sun, the moon, these are vast, major, important, uh, powerful, and I shouldn't say powerful, but yeah, the sun is pretty powerful in its heat and its energy and so on. So it does have some uh, powerful force there. So therefore the Chacham have said there has to be a powerful force to counter it as well. That's why they gave an amount. When we look at it from the inner core of the soul, the idea that every yid is born with a muna is that Yisuf and over there, even the slightest amount of Avadazara is, you know, ruinous. Thus, haste. As in the Ramuna, that in a person's faith, in the foundation of their faith, there can't be even the slightest amount for any other existence other than Hashem. Even in the most subtle way. That's why in the, in the positive way, to, to balance that, that's why in that, in there, it's the same is true there. The mitzvah chala, which counters the Avedazara. The nekudas amuna hotnish can shear the because the essence of amuna doesn't have an amount, therefore chala doesn't need an amount either. So says the hotnish can shear bekamos, meaning to say, in a, in a actual amount number, there is no minimum amount. Doesn't need a minimum amount. 
Esses are the challah, but on the other hand, that has to be something substantial. The Torah calls it challah substantial. Ashir shivas beechos. It has to be, even though, we, even though we don't know, even when we talk about a loaf, it, the loaf is also un... It doesn't have an amount, but we know that it has an, an importance. It doesn't have a minimum amount, but it has importance. So in other words, that it, the importance is there, has to be recognized, but it doesn't have a defined number. It doesn't, it's not limited by any number, by any amount at all. It's just supremely important. That's all. That's what the Nekudas HaEmunah is, supremely important, not connected to any amount. Because it's the essence, the core essence of the soul. That is what, uh, what the core essence of a yid soul is: emunas Hashem, uh, faith in Hashem. Avachachamim nasnushir, but then come along the chachamim; they put an amount on it. Vias kumtarapin chachma v'seichel shivan efesh. In the core essence of the soul, it doesn't have an amount; doesn't need an amount. It doesn't have to be defined by an amount, but when you bring it out into your wisdom, into the faculties of the soul, we have to think about it and so on. Chachamim is, is as defined by the word Chachamim is pungvi avadazara hatam shir mesuim avifols aintos is in the mitzvahs avadazara. So just like avadazara also. <laughs> Yes, the essence of Avedazara is just a counter to Hashem, God forbid, but there are different ways in which Avedazara was expressed, as the Rambam goes through it, and he mentioned it before. So also, the mitzvah of Avedazara, the neutralizing of Avedazara, even as it <coughs> filters down into the person's thinking and his emotions, so it has to already there. A person is thinking rationally about the uh, the what does it mean? What how you have to explain how the how Hashem is not limited? How the 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 nature has now no power? Uh, as we explained all those things, those are things which are rationally understood. So therefore, Chala also needs to be has to have the counterbalance to that has to be. A, an amount it has to be understood rationally, just like the the count of the has to be understood rationally. So the chala mitzvah also needs chachamim nasnushir has to come with a rash something that can counter the rational mind as well. And since the uh, this the idea of avodah which is what chala is trying to counter. Doesn't mean literally. Only literally, a person bows down to a to a piece of wood. Nor does was machshafte can zayin bedakos at fizus magam for for the darke ateva. But rather, as we said, that in your mind you could give even the slightest importance to nature. But slibzei zayin eingevayit kaitezei. And the reason that this could happen is because a person is so accustomed; it's so pervasive. You're surrounded by nature. You're surrounded by the world, in, right, uh, right there in front of you. So therefore, it begins to filter in. You begin to give importance to it. Therefore, you can think. You begin to imagine that that's the reason that is that's what's providing your panasa. 
the Weber is is in them that's why there is a difference between a baker and a householder as we'll explain now, be explained now Yud Chassidus explains that a person that's out there in the business world sees Hashgacha Pratis Hashem's divine providence even more than a person that's sitting and learning all day a businessman has to do all uh, many different things have to be done in order to be able to earn a profit from his business you have to buy uh, inventory and then you have to sell it all of this depends on the conditions of the time and the place where you are inflation goes up, inflation goes down and a person that is involved in all of these details in order to be able to make a profit to earn a living so he sees constantly how it's only because Hashem designed it this way and that the, the price suddenly went up and therefore I was able to sell at a profit or this price suddenly went down I was able to buy it cheap and that in this place they happen to need what I'm selling and so on all of these things take a lot of Hashem's blessing to make them happen that's why a businessman sees Hashem's divine providence more often when in a more often in a more manifest way than somebody that's sitting surrounded by books in an ivory tower because a person that's sitting and learning is on a stipend he gets his check regardless and so on it's always he doesn't know what's going on in order to get that check he gets it from the, the guy and that's it. That's all he knows. So he doesn't see Ashgacha Pratis as often. And that is the essential difference between a householder and a baker. A bala bust, uh, a woman that's uh, running a household. Which the <coughs> we know that the mitzvah of Chala was given specifically to the women. Bakt challah. So when she bakes challah and bread and bread for the ear hoish, she bakes challah and bread for her house, for her home. And she is she bederach klal nisht azay bakant mit the prate aseder. So often the the woman that's uh, taking care of the home is not so up on what it takes for the husband to bring home the paycheck. She doesn't know so much about how her husband got all the money to be able to provide all this, uh, you know, the, the bread. It comes to her as a ready thing, you know, it's, it's, they, they, they deliver the, the flour, they deliver the, the eggs, and so on. But Therefore she doesn't sense, at least not as much as her husband, how it's all dependent on Hashem's divine providence. Therefore, in order to become aware, you have to give more of it in order to make it to, to feel the impact, to to recognize Hashem's involvement in the parnasa that comes to you. Because it takes more 
to make sure that we, one shouldn't forget that those alts come from Hashem, that it's all coming from Hashem. And however, when we're talking about a baker, an ishvas is a balesik, which means the person that is involved in business of selling bread in order to earn a living. The reason he's baking bread is in order to earn a living. And he has to buy and sell and make a profit. And everything else that, uh, that goes into <coughs> running a successful business. Therefore, the baker is much more aware of the divine providence that it takes to make, to allow him to earn a profit. As the Rebishta shikt im tzuzayim panosa, that it's Hashem that is providing the panosa. The river is by em maspik a klenerishir echad memches. That's why it takes less for him to come to this recognition. It's only one in forty-eight or two percent to make him realize and to acknowledge that Hashem is providing the panosa. Val oich derishir, because even this smaller amount fahitim funim toys can pr- protect them from making the mistake that it's coming as a result of his activity and that nature provides it and so on. And it's by the fulfillment of the mitzvah of Chala. We merit that it should, uh, that Hashem will provide a bracha to in in our home, as the Nabi Yecheskel says, the you bring Hashem's blessing into all matters in the home. As that it becomes obvious that everything in the home is being run in the way that Hashem wants. So when we bring Hashem into our into our home through our activity in the home. So then Hashem also, the Hashem gives the blessing in the most literal sense in all the matters of the home, the bona chayim children, health, and parnosa barachava, plentiful parnosa.